Thresholds Radio with your host, John Stevenson. Recording a UFO activity. And there in the darkness, on the ground, knocking on the walls, something crawling. The ghost torches were observatory. Why? Oh my God! Are you seeing this? To a formation forming. You're listening to Thresholds Radio. On today's show, we have Dean Thompson and George Herlinko from Ghost Head Soup. More on that after this quick commercial break. TheEdgeOnAir.com wants to invite you to be abducted. Tune in Friday night starting at 10 p.m. for Thresholds Radio. Host John Stevenson is your guide through the realm of the paranormal with an hour-long radio show sure to give you the heebie-jeebies. Check out UFO-Info.com to learn more. It's Thresholds Radio every Friday night at 10 p.m. on TheEdgeOnAir.com. Welcome back to Thresholds Radio. With us today, we have George and Dean from Ghost Head Soup. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you today? Pretty good. You want to actually tell everybody what uh, Ghost Head Soup is? And actually, your last names, too, I guess would be nice, too, since I didn't say them. Uh, well, my name is Dean Thompson, and this is George. Uh, George Harolenko. No one can pronounce that name. Yeah, it took me to second grade to learn how to spell it. <laughs> so what do you guys do? I know I just saw uh, George at the Chicago Ghost Conference recently, but uh, what are you guys known for? Uh, I don't know. What, what are, are we I mean, known for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, we started Ghost Head Soup about a couple years back. We were actually all in different paranormal groups. And uh, some, you know, we're trying to get websites up, and there was other people involved that uh, weren't partaking in what we wanted to do. Um up to the point where I actually decided to go independent, but then Mark and George, the other mm-hmm. guys from Go, uh, Go Said Soup, kind of followed along and said, hey, let's start Go Said Soup. And we kind of just got together and just started researching the paranormal, more, more so not than hunting houses per yeah, se yeah yeah it's a lot a lot of theoretical work um that we're doing more so we all came together we already had experience we had been in other teams we had we had you know earned our bones we had you know worked residentials forever and uh so we came together we were all experienced we all liked to drink together and we all had pretty much the same <laughs> kind of sense of humor and uh we we discovered that uh you know it, it, i want to say it's kind of like almost like a mentor protege thing it's like i mean you know there, there are guys in in the soup that are like Dean, for example, better field, you know, researcher than I could ever hope to be. And the cool thing is, is that he teaches me the stuff that he knows. I know a little bit about, you know, the public speaking aspect, the presenting, you know, we, we kind of like, everybody's almost a specialist in, in some way. And we discovered that, you know, the soup had a perfect formula here where it's like wherever somebody was weak, there's somebody else on the crew that picks up and has a strength there. So it uh, it just worked out pretty pretty well for us. Yeah, the other members are Tim Schmoltz. Uh, Nick Hansen and Mark Schwabe. And again, they're all, you know, in their own specific, you know, ways have uh, have their specialty and just add something to the suit. So how long have you guys been together then? 
Uh, I think officially we started uh, last year, February, so like maybe about a year and a half. I don't even know what month this is. How long have you been like you, George? How long have you been actually in paranormal? Uh, Well, I've been um, a fan, a student of it, I guess, ever since I was a kid. I mean, you know, show me any horror movie, any book, anything like that. I've been reading it since I've been able to read. Um, But I didn't actually realize um, that good, God-fearing people would listen to their homes and businesses until the shows came out in the air, until shows like, you know, Ghost Hunters and that sort of thing. Uh, Prior to that, I mean, I'd be reading... Um, you know, like Hans Holzer, and my, you know, the way I understood it is, wow, you had to have a friend who owned a castle to actually go out and do any kind of field research. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. And, uh, you know, then when the shows, you know, became, you know, prominent, it was just kind of an idea of like, wow, you can actually run an ad and people would invite you into their homes just because they wanted somebody else to experience what they were experiencing. And I, I never even imagined that would be possible. So, you know, uh, about, I don't know, uh, about the time that Ghost Hunter started, a couple of years after that, I ran some ads in the paper and started going doing the field work and I gotta say my first four four years first five years there wasn't a free weekend I mean you know there were times where I would leave for work and I would come back home and there was I think the record was like 34 calls of people that wanted someone to come out to their home or their business and experience what they were seeing well and most people serious I mean are you getting people like giving you a line or are you actually you're finding most people are actually legitimate oh um most of the people were quacks most of them would have uh, ghosts coming out of different bodily orifices <laughs> um, had one lady who swore up and down that her place had to be haunted because her dog had gone off his dry food and somehow to her that demonstrated that the place was haunted. Um, but I, the basically the, the cue that we kind of established early on was that if the person is actually trying to talk themselves out of it, you know, like while they're leaving the message or when you're doing the initial interview, if they're saying stuff like, well, maybe it was the wind, maybe it was, you know, this, that, the other, most people, to be honest, don't want to have a paranormal experience. Most people who have a paranormal experience don't even want to believe they've had it. So if I hear somebody trying to talk themselves out of it, that's a pretty good indication that they really did experience something. Other folks just want the attention. What got you involved in it, Dean? Well, kind of the same thing as a kid. I was a fan of the show, of the horror movies, and um, just the shows kind of. It actually, the, I had the reverse where I was actually watching the shows, and it was kind of irritating to see what they're actually telling the clients exactly. what is true. So I kind of wanted to taste it myself and see, you know, if it is true what they were providing them. So kind of the same with George. So you, so you guys got a little bit of positive from the shows. Generally, most of the shows I tend to laugh at because they're they really show the worst side of paranormal research. <laughs> well, my favorite <laughs> paranormal show would be Most Haunted. So I mean, right there. <laughs> well, I, I'd have to agree with you. But the cool thing is, is that it did put a recorder and a camera in so many people's hands. And I mean, right. just the simple fact of there's so much work to do, and the fact that paranormal activity. I mean, we're talking about uh, you know something that occurs in seconds. I mean, milliseconds. You know, so I mean, the more the more eyes out there looking for it, the better. Um, granted, most of the people are inexperienced, have no idea what they're doing but i'd still rather have a lot more eyes out there than too few all right so what uh, what are some of your better uh, investigations or cases what have you found that uh, you know kind of has that wow factor um, <laughs> well, there, there are quite a few, actually. The uh, One of the uh, long-term ones that we're working on now is uh, the Tinker Cottage out in Rockford. Yeah, uh, Michael Clean's always talking about that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a location. I mean, it's um, <laughs> the activity that occurs there. I mean, you have everything from, you know, we've had, like, doors, you know, moving. Um, we've had uh, voices we've caught. Um, there's... <laughs> 
in his bedroom. Uh, he actually comes out periodically into the library. There's like a two-story library in the place. I mean, it's like right out of a James Bond movie. It's like you expect to see guys rappelling down from the second floor. And um, seeing the guy walk out of his bedroom to the second floor of the library is a common thing to see. I mean, a lot of people have seen it. Um, actually, last time we were out there, uh, Dale Kazmarek was with us, and he got the impression as well that there's a guy walking out there, and we can't figure out a way to capture him. I mean, we've been quick enough to go ahead and get cameras and recorders and, um, you know, even FLIR pointing up there while, you know, we see the figure there, but we have yet to figure out a way to clock what we're seeing. But you physically will see it. You oh, just yeah. haven't got it on. You see it, you hear it. It's all over the place in there. Yeah. Yeah, we can't figure out how to catch it. I mean, we've had... Have you tried infrared cameras? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything... Because actually, everything. that's what I do. I use infrared cameras, and I've had amazing luck. Infrared, we use, you know, like just regular flash stills. Um, the thing that blew me away was that the flare wouldn't even catch it, you know, and it's it's um, it, it's there. I mean, we're seeing it with our with our... So you're physically seeing this, but the equipment won't see it. Exactly. We haven't figured out exactly what to capture it with yet, but we're working on it. We're trying. (laughs) That's a a smart spirit. It's figured out how to hide from you. Agreed. Agreed. Or um, potentially, um, I have my theories that not everything that's galloping around that house is a ghost. I mean, you you have to understand that the place is quite old, and um, the place, you take a look at the library, and you can see them using the Ouija board. You can see that during the first stage of spiritualism that they probably were entertaining themselves with um, what a lot of ghost hunters nowadays would say are no-nos. So I wouldn't be too surprised if there are other things besides ghosts roaming around the house. Yeah, the Ouija boards, they say open doors to things you don't want to see or know about. If you don't know how to use it, yeah, I can do that. I remember that my mother was involved in Ouija boards, and when I was a young kid, always told me, don't touch those things. Never went into total detail, just said, don't touch them. <laughs> you see, that's that's the problem, I think, because we've actually done Ouija board research, and uh, we've had some um, interesting phenomenon occur. Uh, using it, but the entire deal is that people, um, you know, everybody says, you know, they cross their fingers at you and they say, no, you shouldn't be using the Ouija boards. We, before we even touched one, we read the world literature. We, I mean, talking boards have been used all over the world forever. And every culture has their rules on how to open it, how to close it, how to use it. And the unfortunate thing is that there are kids using it at slumber parties. And, of course, they're not using it properly. That's how the dangerous you know, aspects of the Ouija board came about. But if you know how to open it, you know how to close it, and you have discipline and do it each and every time you use the board, um, it, it can be controlled. It can be contained. It's just that people don't want to talk well, about people it. People have no idea. Like when we were kids, we would use the Ouija board. We would just put our hands on it and say... Who wants to talk? Who wants to come? And that's all you do, and then you don't know who it is, and then you don't know how to make them leave. <laughs> exactly. One of the rules is you don't do that. You you talk to specific people. Right. You know, you if you want to talk to Elvis, you ask for Elvis. If you want to talk to, you know, like a dead relative, you ask for the dead relative. Uh, that's how you ensure that you're not getting someone else. But then you got, like I said, that's one thing my mom did tell me, that she was actually speaking with the great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. And this went on for quite a while. And then all of a sudden she told me she found out it wasn't great-grandmother it was something I don't remember how she described it but it was not what it was supposed to be some sort of demon or something and uh, that's that kind of thing they lie to you you know they tell you they're whoever you want to hear so you don't know if you can believe something you hear anyway true um the as far as the world literature goes there are um there's they kind of have a theory of who you're talking to um some cultures that use talking boards believe that you're talking to elementals um they're kind of like in betweens they've never worn skin but they're they're conscious entities um they believe that these elementals are basically checking the akashic records you ask them a question they'll pretend to be whoever you're talking to and they'll check the akashic 
Akashic Records, which are essentially like a library of anything that's ever happened on the planet to anybody. There's a library containing all that information. The elemental checks the record and then comes back to you pretending to be you know, that, that identity you're speaking to, to answer as them. Uh, there's also the theory that the board that you're using is actually inhabited by the person who happened to be dying on the planet at the time that the board was being manufactured. So when these things are coming off the Parker Brothers, you know, assembly line, um, <laughs> whoever ends up in there's the... There's a line of uh, people waiting in line to jump in each board <laughs> off the assembly line. <laughs> it, it, but that that's one of the theories. I'm going to come back as an operation game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, one of, one of the, the world theories is whoever's dying as the board is actually being completed is the person you're speaking to. Um, then there there's also the, the, the some people just theorize that, yeah, you can't speak to any spirit that happens through, you know, the location that you're sitting at, uh, whether it be a demon, whether it be a ghost, you know. So um, there, there are quite a few different versions as to who you can be talking to. But until we can actually, um, you know, document it, it's just all a guess. It's so all what, what are your views on that, actually, like ghost and demon? I mean, I've talked to some people that say there are no demons, there are no ghosts, or there are vice versa. But I mean, I believe there's both. Uh, what do you think? Or have you have you encountered any of you know demons, or what have you run across? Well, I don't use the Ouija board, but uh, I, I we've seen stuff. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Um, I, 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 I actually thought, thought that I had something living with me for a while that, that followed me home from one of the locations. Did it pay rent? Uh, no, it um, it lived with me for a couple months, and during the uh, the two month period, it would uh, flip my eyelids inside out while I was sleeping. Um, it, apparently trying to get my attention while I was asleep. And uh, the other thing that it did is, um, <laughs> ever since I was a kid, I um, you, you ever see um, uh, what was the Stephen King movie? Uh, Firestarter, I think mm-hmm. it is. Um, the the dad in that could push people. He could like you know give like a cashier like a one dollar bill and make him think that he was giving them a twenty. So when I when I was a kid, I saw this and I tried doing it, you know. And I, I discovered a rather interesting phenomenon. Any any time that I was making a transaction, like. Went to go buy cigarettes and gas or whatever it is, and the change or the total amount came to some weird um, number series like twelve dollars and thirty four cents, one two three four, mm-hmm. or my change was six dollars and sixty six cents, six 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 six. I would think at the person, and I, I mean this. I've been doing this since I was like a kid, since I was like ten years old, and a small percentage of the time, the cashier would actually give me my money back and the change whenever these weird number combinations came up. Now when this eye flipping entity uh, came to live with me for a couple months I was hitting 100% um, as far as like any time one of those things came up, I mean, I would I would go get a pack of cigarettes or a carton of cigarettes, and I would give the cashier like a hundred bucks, and they would give me the hundred bucks back. They would give me the forty dollars change, and they'd give me the the carton of cigarettes, you know. And um, that's something called progressive entrapment. Actually, any time that uh, you come across a negative entity, first thing they do is they do good deeds for you. They help you find lost items. They help you do all kinds of things so that they come across as a friend. And at that point, you're you know, your guard is down because you figure, hey, they're doing great things for me, and that's how they actually get inside you. That's how they get to you. How long did that stay with you, or how did you get rid of it, or did it go on its own? Uh, no, we had, we had to go back to the location where I picked it up, and uh, it took a while for it to get back into the location, but uh, once it showed up, we pretty much uh, left. <laughs> yeah, so it's still there. But do you, how do you prepare yourself if you go out to some place? Is there anything you do? Like, well, Dean and I just went somewhere recently where... Somebody with us, 
was had like uh, an entire suitcase full of items that we were all supposed to wear and holy water and <laughs> prayers and a medallion or something she threw on me i forget what it was I've but actually, i've actually still got one on because supposedly i'm possessed by a nah, demon nah. no i gave mine back to the person <laughs> we should have told that before you turned the lights down that would have been good to but know we actually we do not i i i don't i don't go in and protect myself uh we it, in the future here you'll hear uh one of our uh evp so to speak mention of that but um yeah we go in there i, I don't go in there protecting myself so. i know some people have a whole routine they do before they go in there but i've never really done much myself either i mean some people might get mad at me for that but uh, i just go into these places but then again like i say, that person we met last week had an entire routine i mean i bless myself every morning when i wake up that's about it you know i survived another day yeah. <laughs> Ever since uh, I had the thing live with me, I uh, carry silver in a mojo bag that was uh, designed for me. So uh, whenever I go to investigations, I make sure I have those two things on me. Hmm. So <laughs> do you ever, when you walk in a place, like that place where you got that, uh, did you feel it in there? Did you know something was there? Oh, or, oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> there's uh, actually footage. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> of, oh. Yeah, inadvertently I had uh, offered. We, we, were, we were communicating with um, what we thought was a little girl. Uh, we're using the Ovilus, we're using the Hack Shack. Um, normally when we're using devices like that, we try to have a couple of them going at the same time. And if they're kind of agreeing with each other, then it's um, a, a little bit more believable than if we're only using one of them. And uh, we got the impression we were talking to something that was identifying itself as a little girl, uh, that it was in distress. And at one point, I actually offered to protect the thing. And it was pointed out to me later after the fact um, that that's why the thing latched onto me, is because I offered to protect it. Not that I actually could, um, the, 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 our, our source, our, our psychic, uh, kind of told me that, um, it was like a pit bull. I mean, I thought it was cute that I actually offered to protect the thing because it, it obviously needed no protection from someone like me, but right. I just thought that I was cute for making the offer. So it latched down for a couple so months. So went home with you, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, I don't think that's uncommon because, uh, you know, some teams that, uh, that I've heard of actually do EVP sweeps in their cars while they're driving home. I don't think it's uncommon for, you know, a good hunter to be followed home. I mean, earlier, John, you had mentioned that, uh, you've had your name used in the field. Yes, and quite clearly. <laughs> you know, once, once your name is used for whatever reason it is, whether you've made contact with somebody who hasn't had a conversation in 200 years and just dying to continue it, or whether it's just charisma, um, there are some people that once you do this long enough, you are noticed on the other side. They know your name. They figure out where you live. And uh, at some point, whether you're a ghost hunter or not, you may no longer have a chance as to whether you're experiencing paranormal activity. They're just going to show up because they know you. They yeah, like I actually you. see th where I'm living now. I recently moved. The location I'm at now is a old historical site. And uh, I'm seeing shadow people a lot. Mm. I've seen them throughout my whole life. They didn't phase me. But here at the point where uh, my first few days there, I kept seeing people and I'd turn. And after a while, I realized that what it was. But at first, they were so clear, I literally thought there's people by me. And I would turn around. And for the first few weeks, it was heavy. Now it's now and then. But it was inside the house, outside, didn't matter. And I was seeing them four, five, six times a day quite clearly. Okay. Very cool. Now, now, as far as like emotionally, uh, when you're having these encounters, what are you feeling? Nothing really. I mean, not good or bad, you know, not a scary thought because shadow people, I'll ask you in a second to your theory on that, but shadow people kind of freak me out, but they don't make me nervous. But a lot of people I talk to think they're evil, but there's so many different views on there. And they're gonna, what do you think? Have you, I'm sure you've experienced them actually. <laughs> 
acting. Uh, actually, uh, I have not. Uh, but fine, I mean, as far as a, but as far as like shadow people, <laughs> as far as shadow people, I mean, you have to have a light source and an object to cast a shadow. So not technically, they're not. Uh, well, they're then that wouldn't be a shadow. I mean, it's by the a, definition a, of a shadow. I mean, a shadow person is a black. Black, black mass. A black mass that has a shape of a person that walks around, and they call it a shadow person. It's, it's called not actually a like a. It's so not actually, it's not a, actually shadow. a shadow from like a flashlight and a sock puppet. <laughs> well, that's what I just. Right. Asked. Well, that's what we're researching now. I mean, could it be the light from their side casting something into our world? I don't know because they're distinctly some. They're a black mass moving. Mm-hmm. Because you can see, like, say when I see them, it's peripheral vision. You can see them. Now and then your head might play games with you. But if you see them a lot, there's something going on there. Like Bachelor's Grove we were talking about earlier. That's notorious for shadow people, especially along the, the northern wall by the, the lake there, the lagoon. A lot of people have seen shadow people in that area. Well, I, I think actually the um, the term shadow person is often misused. Um, again, I have to I have to go back to the I mean when I was a you know bookworm geek you know before I actually did any kind of field work. Um, shadow people at one point were suspected of being anything from time travelers to aliens. Um, or uh, interdimensional. Uh, interdimensional. Too, right? um, the some of the original encounters with shadow people um, things that people don't usually mention nowadays like the modern context of a shadow person. For First thing is the original shadow people that people were encountering, like you know, decades ago, all wore hats. Um, second thing, there was a, a strong smell associated with them. Third thing, invariably, people experiencing shadow people encounters were scared. They had no; their bodies just suddenly shifted into fright mode. So, if you have those things, that's a classic shadow person. Um, now, I, I believe that ghosts uh, can go ahead and represent themselves as shadows, but that would be a totally different type of uh, entity, I guess you would call it. Not not the classic shadow person. Um, if there isn't any fear going on, and if they're not wearing, it sounds stupid. If they're not wearing hats, <laughs> they're not the classic. Well, they were known person. for the like the fedora or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So my brother had an encounter, and I think it, it was in New York with one of those uh, fedora wearing shadow people. Mm-hmm. Him and the girl he was with, they both saw it, instantly felt fear, and they were at the uh, ice skating ring, an outdoor one, and they took off and they look and it's right behind him. They took off and it, it doesn't look like it's on the ground. It's kind of just like floating, mm-hmm. but it's no matter how fast they went, it kept up with them and. Uh, he wouldn't even talk about that for years. It, it just terrified him. I mean, that's that's the shadow person account you hear a lot about that kind. But that's it had the fedora color. on. Yep, that's the classic one. What we experience at Tinker, although we we do, we call it a shadow person, actually isn't a shadow person. It's just um, a spirit. I think representing itself in a dark mass. My first paranormal experience when I was seventeen was a dark mass as well. I mean, I thought it was a person. Um, I believe it was actually a member of my family that I encountered, but there was no hat. There was, you know, I, I wasn't afraid. Actually, to be honest, I it was a, a case of uh, misidentification. I thought it was my mom. You know, as I was stepping by the thing until I realized, well, no, it, it wasn't. But, uh, you know, the classic shadow person, as you mentioned, fear is part of the encounter. If you're not afraid, it's not a classic shadow person. And the shadow person something you physically see where you get images or ghosts or spirits, you'll get them on film a lot of mm-hmm. time. The shadow person, you don't usually see on film. You don't catch them. It's something you physically see when you're at a location. 
I just have to go. We've, we've been joking about it. And, and is potentially shadow person, is that like a racist term? I mean, should we, should we, should we be saying that? I mean, it may be luminously challenged. You know, we should be calling them or, you know. be politically correct nowadays, huh? Yeah, or, or urban. <laughs> urban apparition. I mean. I mean, it just, it sounds better than like a dark mass, too, because that just sounds too bad. Paranormal American? Oh, yeah, Paranormal American. American, okay. So have you encountered one of those before, George? Um, the, the classic shadow person, no. Um, I, I've seen what I believe are ghosts representing themselves well, as What about the ones masses. that say, I see them, like, you know, out of the corner of your eye, you look into your side, and you see something move, but it's not there. I, I, I actually have a theory about what that could be. Now, the, the, the place that you're living, um, near any kind of water, near traffic, near a bridge? Uh, it's about... Two miles from Lake Michigan. Oh, okay. Well, it would need to be running water. It's not. Well, that's running water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the, the reason I bring that up is, are you familiar with, uh, there's a phenomenon called infrasound. Are you familiar with infrasound? I've heard of it, but I don't know offhand. Uh, infrasound is 18 cycles. And since we're like in actually a recording studio, um, 18 cycles is just below our point of hearing. And uh, what 18 cycles does is does quite a few things. Uh, there's a, a, a musician named Lustmord. And if you're familiar with his music, he incorporates 18 cycles. And about 12 to 20% of the population, well, the, the books say we tested it and it's closer to about 30 to 50% of the population, um, have a negative reaction to infrasound. They feel pressure on their chest, any kind of emotion they're experiencing. If they're happy, they're even ecstatically happy. If they're sad, they're terribly sad. It, it heightens whatever emotion you're in. Uh, it gives people the impression that they're um, being watched. It makes people feel paranoid. And additionally, um, actually NASA was the first uh, the first group to, to identify this, but they didn't tell anybody about it until years later. And, uh, you know, Space Ghost? You know, Space Ghost, Ghost. Aren't Ghost. they incorporating it with the abduction phenomenon, too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're doing studies on it where they actually put people in these rooms, and they'll shine like um, they'll they'll actually do these studies and they'll say, did you do you feel like you were abducted? You know, yes, yep. I did, oh yeah, really I actually feel, saw that too. Yeah, yeah, it was really something. Yeah, else. It's amazing that they can do this through lights and sound because yeah. I mean there are there are there are there are frequencies that affect biological systems like like us that we can't control and uh, the uh, when you're mentioning out of the corner of your eyes uh, when they were first launching guys into space they were seeing space ghost they mm-hmm. they because 18 cycles which happens well in, in their case because they were in these you know pods being launched up into space uh, their eyeballs were actually vibrating resonating and when that occurs you the the astronauts were thinking they were seeing people out of the corner of their eyes and when you would turn to you know turn your eyes to, to look at the uh, the image you change the pressure in your eyeballs and suddenly the event the illusion goes away so one of the things of infrasound is yeah you are going to be seeing people out of the corner of your eyes hmm, yeah. it's interesting it's, it's kind of cool because we invite people into our lab um, out in Sycamore and uh, sometimes we let them investigate the place because it's haunted sometimes we soak them in infrasound and see how they behave so it's you know it's, it's a coin toss whether we're going to be mean to you or whether we're going to you know be, be cool <laughs> with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've actually discovered that infrasound probably bleeds beyond 18 cycles and it probably affects more than the 12 to 20 percent the books say do you think some of these like famous haunted places then are because haunted because of sound oh, or indeed, something that's... indeed I, I would i would say that easily probably half of the places that people think are haunted is simply because of infrasound because infrasound is caused by traffic running water uh th- thunderstorms um the, one of the most famous cases was in an exhaust fan that that causes exactly exactly and a lot of things can cause infrasound a lot of that's things people think they're being haunted
Well, what about something that just picks up and moves across the room by itself? Uh, um, that infrasound wouldn't do. <laughs> Have you experienced anything like that as far as actual physical objects moving? Um, we, uh, not on camera, we did have at the Tinker House. Oh, that's never on camera. That would be what you call the Holy Grail. <laughs> at, at, the, uh, at the Tinker House, we actually did have um, in the, the basement area of it where the, uh, the servant's kitchen is. Um, one of our earliest investigations, we actually did have a ball roll from the servant's kitchen down the hallway into Mr. Tinker's later bedroom because uh, he actually had a, a foot cut off by a train. So he uh, essentially moved from his opulent bedroom up on the top floor of the, uh, the home to the basement just off the kitchen because, I mean, he couldn't walk really well, so, of course, he wanted to be near the kitchen. And, uh, yeah, we had a ball pretty much just roll down the hallway, and his room is, like, what, the second door, third door down? Second door down, so it actually rolled past uh, another room, rolled past some stairs before it made the decision of rolling into his room. So We had that happen, uh, went to Villisca, Iowa, and you always hear about the ball moving, the children move the ball, and that door closes by itself. Well, I went there, I actually think you're the same way, too. You don't believe all this stuff you want to prove it so mm-hmm. we went there and we checked the level on the door checked the plumb and the room was way out of whack okay. in an old house but the door actually should have not been closing it should have been opening oh really yeah okay and wow. if you notice if you ever see people that have videos of that if the frame always has the door but doesn't have the top and the bottom to me well, there could be a hand up there doing it, and the ball starts rolling by itself, but it comes out from under a bed. <laughs> well, we've actually got it on video with the ball sitting in the middle of the room with two cameras on it, where it starts by itself. Wow. With two cameras on Very it. Very cool. Rolls around and goes back where it was while there's two cameras and nothing in it. And we got the door closing in full view, too, with cameras showing top and bottom. Awesome catch. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome actually, that, that place is actually pretty cool. But that's actually, I was going to ask you, too, I walked in the Villisca, Iowa, ex-murder house myself. No one else was in there, and I went in by myself. No one else was there yet. And I felt the strangest feeling when I walked in there, just darkness, doom, I mean, just terrible feeling. Have you ever experienced something like that walking in a place? Um, sometimes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I know what makes uh, a place feel creepy. I mean, I know, I know that, you know, certain barometric pressure, you know, um, amounts will make you feel weird. I know that, uh, um, well, there's, what do we call it? <laughs> Vince Wilson calls it, uh, I can't remember what he calls it, but we call it um, fossiling, trauma event fossiling. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the idea that, um, well, say, for example, it's like, okay, I, I ran my hand down this mic stand. Uh, forever, part of me on a molecular level is going to be part of this mic stand. I mean, no matter how much you clean it off n- until you burn it, part of me is here. Uh, one of the theories, and actually, Vince, I got to give Vince the credit for this, is one of his theories that in high trauma situations, um, persons dying, persons being murdered, that sort of deal, we actually kind of paint the entire room with like a molecular level of our emotion so from that day on no matter how many coats of paint the room gets no matter if they change the carpeting um, there is some leftover residue of the trauma that occurred in that room so sensitive types might be able to pick up on something like that pretty easily you just walk into the room and you're feeling whatever yeah, murder whatever i've been to a few places there. and I, i'll sense things now and then but that place was by far the most intense but it was a terrible sadness mm. feeling too it was just well you knew the story in advance too yeah, that I had no idea what to expect, and like I said, I don't believe any of this a lot of times, even though I'm in it. I, do, I say I'm a paranormal researcher. I never call myself a paranormal investigator. That's a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. I do research. I'm not an investigator. I didn't go to the police academy. I, I do paranormal research, and I take it all with a grain of salt because a lot of it isn't real. 
but you know you walk in a place like that and you instantly feel that that's now otherwise are you sensitive i mean do you reach for the phone before it rings that sort of thing yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> actually, if you listen to one of our shows a while back, do you know who Russell Targ is? You familiar with Russell Targ? Uh, no. Russell uh, invented the the remote viewing program for the government. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he actually invented the laser. Okay. Very well known. I had Russell on talking with Russell and. Uh, he wanted me to come in to talk to me because he says I'm an interesting subject. Nice, nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick up not as much as I used to when I was younger, but I'm notorious. Actually, when I, when I was probably in my early 20s, I'd be sitting there with a bunch of people like we are now. We're in the studio. There's what five, six people in here. Mm-hmm. We'd be sitting here talking, and I'd be like, "Oh, hang on a second. I'd grab the phone and answer it, yeah. and then put it down. And everyone would be looking at me. I'm like, "What?" And they go, "It didn't ring." <laughs> I used to do that a lot. Well, you're, you're experiencing the world in quite a different way from the way most people experience the world. So, but I, that's one of those things that I can't control. I don't say I'm psychic. I just feel things now and then, and I stick at that because most psychics I've met aren't psychic. I just sense things now and then. It can't be controlled in any way, shape, or form. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. Now, is it a gift for you, or are you a victim of it? Oh, I actually like it. I enjoy it. <laughs> uh, we should have him out the lab. We should mess with him, see what he can do. Definitely. That's closer, than, that's closer than Russell's is in California. Oh, okay, I want to go yeah, out yeah. there. Ours is about an hour Plus, he was involved with the government. I'm afraid to go to a government-sponsored lab. <laughs> I still remember the X-Files That's where we well. store our shadow people is yeah. at the yeah, lab, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What kind of research you guys do then? Um, pretty much anything. I mean, that that's one of the deals we've, uh, like I said, we all pretty much earned our bones as field investigators a long time ago. So right now it's like anything that anybody dreams up. I mean, somebody mentions the Ouija board. Okay, let's go ahead and do some experiments with that. Um, you know, somebody, you know, the, the shadow person phenomenon. It's like if we, if we want to go ahead and research it, anything anybody mentions, we'll go ahead and we'll try it out. Um, the infrasound, you know, once we found out about that, we we're inviting, you know, leads from other teams that we knew to come in just so that we could mess with them, just so we could see if this was a real thing a real phenomenon that occurs and turns out it is staring into candlelight oh yeah <laughs> Me- messing messing with our own eyes you know yeah exactly um you know because because so many uh, seances table tappings that sort of thing occur by candlelight and it is it, the ocular shift that you actually uh, cause to your eyes by being in candlelight for a long time is a very real thing um it's 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 a biological effect is it something paranormal no but if you're creeping yourself out by candlelight you're going to start seeing or things. enhance your sight like your shoeless joe like, jackson like shoeless joe jackson yeah like one of the one of the things that he used to do before he would bat is he would stare into candles believing that it would improve his acuity so i mean just something just one candle power is enough to go ahead and change how our eyes work normally and depending on the situation you're in you can either hit a uh, you know a, a baseball better or if you're in a dark room you're probably going to be seeing things you might not otherwise be seeing but i've heard cases of psychics when they're in psychic readings too they'll keep you in the room dark for a while mm-hmm. before they'll start because once your eyes start to adjust and then you'll start seeing sparklies and all kinds of weird things. They know their craft. They, well, the they thing with the exactly candlelight, too, is when we were staring into the light, uh, George, myself, and Mark actually started seeing the same lights. The light. same lighting. We saw it exactly <laughs> the same spot. Mark and I saw a glow in front of George where he didn't see it. Yeah. And we reacted at the same time. It was a ball of white in front of George. 
and we're like, <gasps> oh my god, you know, it's just so, like at the same time after looking into candlelight. So it, it shared phenomenon. So if it shared phenomenon, I mean, it, is it paranormal? Well, probably not. But I mean, there is something that we're spotting that otherwise we wouldn't have seen. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> you guys have been. Uh, we're listening off air to some EVPs. We'll talk about here now. Uh, you invented, or you got a way of different way of getting EVPs or something, or what were you telling well, us? What started with the EVPs? Um, you know, I went online and started looking around, and I noticed—I don't know the names—but there was a German guy that was doing EVPs for like 30 years. And I'm like, you know, I went to these guys. I go, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be 30 <laughs> years from now. So let's try to like let's figure. Let's, do, <laughs> wait. let's try to advance this and get it a little bit sooner than 30 years. Um, so one house that we had out in DeKalb, Illinois, uh, we were just talking just like this, and I heard this one EVP, so to speak, um, and for the life of me, I couldn't tell what it was. It didn't sound foreign language. It was just for hours upon hours, I was just sitting there straining my ears trying to figure out what it was saying. So I walked away, and you know the class A's, class B's. Well, there's also a class R EVP to where you reverse it. So I went into Audacity, and I'm like, oh, let me try to reverse it. And the first time I heard it reversed, it was kind of like speaking actually what we were talking about at the time. So it was kind of kind of creepy. And, uh, so it corresponded to what you were actually discussing? Were actually discussing? It, it, yeah, because yeah, I was telling I was the telling client the about a story about, about how my truck died, died in the cemetery. And I always got left at that. Like, like and I had to call a tow truck and get my truck out of the cemetery you know so we had a, we had a conversation about that so um what was said to us i mean we're going to play it later i guess but well, we can play it right now after you guys are done talking okay right. um which, yeah if you want to which evp is this one on this is this well, yeah, we'll play it right yeah now. this is the bottom one if you're looking at your okay everyone uh listen to this evp now Okay, well, we just heard, what was it, three there. Do you want to say what's what was what now? Well, the first one was the original, and it kind of sounded like in Turn and Say Tang. So for the life of me, like I said, I was <laughs> It does say Turn and Say Tang, Turn and Say Tang or something. <laughs> well, that's after, like, three hours of listening to it and throwing it away and coming back to it and reversing it. I mean, it was just driving me crazy. Uh -huh. um, so, again, having told the story, and then I flipped the... EVP and I came back with what you heard is what we thought said uh, reckless, spiritualists are funny and to me it, it kind of enunciates everything there um, kind of like talked about what we were doing there I mean basically like exactly. I said Making earlier I was <laughs> reckless because I don't bless myself when I go into homes uh -huh. so I was a reckless spiritualist we are there to communicate with the deceased and I do appreciate the fact that the ghost was thought I was telling a funny story at the time. <laughs> That's actually good. That was a pretty clear EVP, too. I mean, yeah, well, we cleaned it up on the third. The third one you have uh, is kind of cleaned up a little bit so you can actually hear it better. So. But the um, actually, Dino's like being like kind to himself. I mean, as far as as far as that being uh, captured, that's huge. Um, first off, the words are complex. I right. mean, we're talking reckless spiritualists. Well, a lot of times you just hear little words. Yeah, right? you hear like yes, you hear no, you know that sort of thing. And it's like, I mean, honestly, I can drag my foot across the floor, and one time out of a hundred, it'll sound like yes, right? You know, <laughs> um, and I mean, here we have you know the word reckless. You know, I mean, we have you know consonants, vowels here. It's complex. Spiritualists. The age of the house. We're talking about the the crossroads house, right? Yes. 
Crossroads House was 109, 110 years old or something like Correct. that. So um, a lot of the deaths that we were able to document that actually occurred in the house would have occurred during the first stage of spiritualism. Now, granted, spiritualist is a word in the vernacular now. People use it. But nowadays, people would use terms like ghost hunter, paranormal researcher, paranormal investigator. Spiritualist isn't usually the first word that jumps into people's minds. So that was an older word. A hundred uh-huh. years ago, that would have been the word that would have jumped into a person's mind and deemed that night was hunting an old ghost. Hmm. You know, so the, the word spiritualist, another complex word, again, would have been used by the ghost that Dean was after that night. And uh, again, commenting exactly on the fact that, you know, he was being reckless and uh, he is pretty funny. <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge catch. It's a huge catch for us. And the coolest thing, it's, it's, um, it's kind of become like a team motto. So, I mean, quite literally, our team motto was given to us by somebody on the other side. Well, how fitting for this, huh? I like it. What made you, uh, Dean, uh, try to reverse it? I mean, you just couldn't figure out. I mean, you cannot, we were saying off air, too, that you can tell when you got something because there's just a white noise and something breaks that noise where you know there's something. What made you think? You just couldn't figure out any other way, so you decided well, again, to reverse it? I just went it? back and looked at the different classes of EVP, and I ran across the class R, and I'm like, it just jogged my memory to reverse it. So uh, once we reversed that, what did we do? Like reverse everything that yeah, we Pretty got? much, yeah. <laughs> so guys out there, if you're listening, you're well, going you to go back you, and reverse it. You got it. some other ones here, too. What was the yeah. uh, next one you want to listen to? You had another real good one. Oh, it was a disembodied voice that was captured by Tim, yep. and he actually heard it. Um, didn't quite know what it was, uh, but then he reversed it as well, and we did pick up some some type of uh, response as well. Okay, and that one we got, was there three versions of this one too, or is it just two? Two, two. two. Okay, two. we'll listen to that one now. That's- couple of um, EVPs um, in which hierarchy is established. Uh Um, We have one EVP in which, um, well, it would be the Crossroads House, the, the Come On Kids, Come on, where, kids, and where, then there's the Stratford Inn. And the Stratford Inn, and it would appear as though there is one entity in charge of the others, um, you know, like maybe keeping the kids there. I heard that at Villisca, actually, somebody that seemed kind of reputable, I don't want to say any names, mm-hmm. said that there's a some dark force keeping everybody yeah. in there, basically. We have we have uh, an auto recording of that at, uh, yeah, the, the Crossroads House and also at the, uh, the Stratford Inn. Stratford um, Inn. We have uh, one of the times we were working there setting up. Um, <laughs> it's like the first 12 seconds into the yep, room and yep. we have this older man responding and then somebody saying something else after it and we reverse it it actually said yes sir yeah so so that it established yeah. a hierarchy it was like yeah. one person one person said uh, leave that alone or leave them leave alone, alone yes, and then the response yes sir from the subservience entity um, was reversed now you guys have one last EVP yeah. Uh, that you to, well, this uh, is going into what we call the, the, new, the machine new machine for now. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, well, this is something you guys just made or something. Or? I, well, actually, we've been developing it for like the last year. Um, we've been building it out of like old amp parts and <laughs> you know Frankenstein and, 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 and that kind of thing yeah it's um you know i'll come right out i mean uh, there is no secret what we what we built it out of it's like we're, we're basically using um microphones uh amplifiers we're using um the best headphones we could put together um which i which i'm telling you is some some really cheap noise canceling ones buried <laughs> buried inside like construction like 30 decibel reducing ah. earmuffs put those two together and you i mean amazing yeah. set of headphones with a garage band paranormal group yeah 
yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and basically, I mean, we're using what uh, is a delay pedal. I mean, if you're a musician, you know what a d delay pedal uh -huh. is. And what we're doing is we're quite literally we're reversing our voices as we're talking them. We had it. We had enough EVPs like the Alden School EVP, like the Old Spirituals. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I keep on naming it. Old school. The Old Schoolhouse. Um, we had enough. Uh, Dean Dean came up with enough examples. The team came up with enough examples where the reversal is it, it's real. I mean, it, it seems to be a, a route to pursue. Especially so, when you reverse it and it makes sense. Exactly. I mean, exactly. how do you deny it? I mean, there could be a fluke, but you've had it happen more than once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, um, you know, we're, we're not big fans of the entire EVP theory because the EVP theory is you conduct this question and answer session and then what do you do? Yeah. You go home and you listen to it. Okay, right. so what we're trying to do is we're actually trying to conduct these conversations in real time. Oh, cool. We want to go ahead and decipher what they're saying because when you're conducting these EVP sessions, people are answering. It's just that it's like TV and everything has instructed, no, you go home and you listen well, to this stuff. Yeah, it stuff, doesn't do which, any good if it's exactly, asking you to do something. <laughs> exactly. So we figured, well, we'll flip our voices backwards, then we got to try to flip their voices backwards. But honestly, using computers was too slow because you have to sample the stuff into it, you have to click a few buttons, it reverses it, but it's just not a fluid conversation. So by going through a guitar delay pedal, which quite literally is flipping everything we're saying and flipping everything they're saying, we're hearing it in real time. We're hearing it as it happens. It's a cool and idea. that's what these examples and are. That's what, and where is this one taken at, uh, the CDP? This, this one was the very first uh, version of the machine. Uh, this is the one that was like had all the 20-year-old the amp parts that we all pulled out of our closets <laughs> and that kind of thing. We could only use it for about an hour at a time because... It, when it was on for that long, like the knobs would start, you know, screeching out, and you'd smell something burning, you know. Mm -hmm. So we had to turn, we'd have to turn it off. And uh, this was taken at a fellow uh, investigator's house. the uh, The investigator was named Nick, and uh, Nick Nick claims to have some. Um, psychic abilities that he he's able to see things he's able to hear some things and so this is the first time mind you these these are the first four EVPs we caught using the machine mm -hmm. this is the first hour we use the machine and the first hour we caught four EVPs wow. and the first question is I'm asking the entity why are you bothering Nick you know what specifically and well here's what yeah, the we'll, EVP yeah, we'll listen to this yeah. So the, the, the version of it that we have now is actually quite cleaned up. I mean, it's right. um, you don't want to invest a whole lot of money into a theory if it's not going to work because, you know, it's like then you're throwing money out the window. We we put it together quick and dirty. It seemed to work, so we invested and actually made something that Well, that's works. actually pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can hear something there, definitely. Yeah, and uh, the, the funniest one is the last one because the last one, like, it isn't an answer to any question. It's an answer to I'm looking at the target mic. I'm seeing some lights. I'm seeing two white lights and a slash of yellow, and suddenly through my headphones i hear something say did you see that and then laugh at me you know so it's like i mean that's just well interactive you know yeah, that's a yeah, different thing too. yeah and it's it's like the thing is i didn't i didn't say anything the thing did something at the target mic and then i'm hearing through my headphones 
did you see that? Yeah. You know, so um, I think we're onto something. This is we're calling it the new machine. So if any listeners kind of have an idea of what we can name it, because we actually have a newer machine that we're working on, so we have to give this one a name because honestly, we we can't call. Well, the, can't you the call new, this one the new machine and the new one the newer one? Well, we're gonna have a, <laughs> we're probably gonna have another one after that. But the uh, the newer machine is actually kind of a uh, a, a video version of this, whereas oh, yeah, cool, we're, reverse, yeah. we're reversing audio. Uh, it's uh, Schlieren photography paired with like s- black scrying mirrors. Oh, um, that's cool. And yeah, that won't work good on the radio. But <laughs> <laughs> when you have that, we'll have to describe it. We're, we're starting to run low on time, but I had another question for you. Have you ever had, like I told you at uh, Waverly, I got pushed. Have mm-hmm. You had an experience where you've been pushed or shoved or pinched I, I, or? I've been I've been pushed. Um, we did a, a residential like this was one of the first ones that I'd ever done. Uh, bending down to check a camera and it felt like somebody put their foot like on the small of my back and <laughs> gave me a shove. And uh, there's footage somewhere of me um, turning around saying hey because I thought it was a team member until I turn around and see there's nobody there. Oh, that's and cool. I've actually worked with a guy who had uh, got a bruise at the same location. Uh, he uh, lost a little bit of skin, had a little bit of swelling, so. I've seen it happen. I, I kind of like the. I mean, it sounds weird, but because that's physical evidence. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't is. imagine that, yep. and even if somebody didn't see it, you got the mark to prove yep. it happened. Yeah, uh, ghosts been clocked at around twelve pounds of force, and I want to say demons been clocked at around three hundred pounds of force. Well, so. at, uh, that's right. At uh, Waverly, uh, my friend uh, Matt, who went there with me, was holding his camera and a tripod in front of him, mm-hmm. and we're walking, and it's real dark there, and all of a sudden he takes his camera and cracks himself in the head and falls backwards. And I don't know what I was thinking. I looked at him like, why did you do that? He's like, I didn't do that. Yikes. But the same thing, something grabbed his tripod and camera and smacked him in the head with it. Wow. Yeah, I actually had, I was uh, coming home from the Stratford Inn in Sycamore uh, after an investigation. And when I was going to bed, you know, that moment where you just hit the pillow and you're like almost sleeping. Uh And at that moment, my, my leg was yanked. And it was pushed down. I was sleeping on an air mattress at the time, and it was pushed down to where my ankle actually touched the uh, air intake valve. And, you know, I shot up, straight up, and I was like, holy crap, what was that? And I tried to see if I could bend my foot to touch that air valve again, and for the life of me, I could not do it. And I just realized, all right, that was kind of creepy, and I said, cool, and went back to sleep. I kind of like those things. I I said, cool, and went to sleep. Reckless spiritualists are See, see, that's a true ghost hunter with something like that. You go, cool, Cool. do it again. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to wind this up here. Do you have any uh, website information or anything you'd like to get out there or any appearances you're going to make or anything? Um, Ghostheadsoup.com. Uh, check out some G spots on there. We have a uh, recent one is with Dale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have one of Laura Redman who's doing the PKC, the Paranormal Kicks Cancer event tomorrow, which will, this will be over by then. Right. Uh, but so on just the tw- ignore that because right. it happened already. Right. <laughs> uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, it was uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on the 22nd, we will be out in Rockford at the Memorial Hall. Uh, just check out Facebook, Ghost Head Soup on Facebook, yep. and you'll see the event pages on there, too. So. Okay, guys. Well, that's been great. I really enjoyed talking with you. And Thanks we'll for get you on us. again. Please awesome. do. Please okay. do. Okay, take care. TheEdgeOnAir.com wants to invite you to be abducted. Tune in Friday night starting at 10 p.m. for Thresholds Radio. Host John Stevenson is your guide through the realm of the paranormal with an hour-long radio show sure to give you the heebie-jeebies. 
Check out ufo-info.com to learn more. It's Thresholds Radio every Friday night at 10 p.m. on theedgeonair.com. Welcome back to Thresholds Radio. With us right now is the one and only Michael Clean. How are you doing today, Mike? Hey, John. I'm doing great. It's good to be back on the program after our short little respite. Yeah, we're actually doing pretty good, too. We were just talking about you on a bit, actually right before this one. I was talking with uh, George and Dean from uh, Ghost Head Soup. They were talking quite nicely about you. Yeah, they're a great bunch of guys. I hope that everything you said was... uh truthful i know far be it from you to make things up about on air we talked very nice about you oh good (laughs) so what what do you got for us mike you got a new uh top 10 list i hear that's premiering on the show this time too right right uh it's gonna premiere tonight and then it'll be on the website tomorrow okay so what's tonight's it's the it's the top 10 restaurants the top 10 most haunted restaurants in illinois hmm that's cool. You had something similar to that before, didn't you? Or well, I, I had bars, the, the top it? ten bars and pubs. Oh, okay. So this is restaurants. Some of them serve alcohol, but you know, primarily they're just a place to go eat. Okay. So what you got? Well, at number ten, uh, some of these, a lot of these are in Chicago, so a lot of these you might be familiar with. Number ten is the Triple Crown Seafood Restaurant in Chicago, Illinois. Ooh, haunted shrimp. Yeah. Uh, now, rumors that an old apartment building at 211 West 22nd Place in Chicago, uh, in South Chinatown, was built over an Indian burial ground did not stop developers from converting it into a restaurant. Neither did the story that a former resident had hung himself in the building. Perhaps they should have paid attention, because it was not long before a shadowy figure was seen lurking around the bathrooms. Whoever this ghost is, however, he is at least helpful. According to author Scott Marcus, kitchen staff at the seafood restaurant report that dirty dishes will appear mysteriously washed during the evening. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's at least one ghost that you'd like to have around. Yeah, that ghost is invited over any day. For some reason, you know, we talk a lot about suicides in these lists. And if this is the ghost of this suicide victim, I don't know why he feels like he needs to clean up it's a professional after everyone. Yeah. So number nine in the list is the Maple Tree Inn in Blue Island, Illinois. I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's pretty famous. Ever since Charlie Orr changed the name of Helen's Old Lantern Inn to the Maple Tree Inn, the original owner has not been very happy. The trouble is... Helen Sudanas, who owned the building for nearly 50 years, is dead. Charlie claims that Helen's ghost was stirred up when he bought the restaurant, and he has felt her presence on more than one occasion. His employees have had their hair, uh, their own hair-raising experiences. The restaurant's chef felt someone tap him on the shoulder when he was alone in the basement. At Halloween, Charlie transforms the Maple Tree Inn into a haunted house for the enjoyment of his patrons. And I don't know if he still does that, but I would like to go there someday. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, actually. And Halloween's right around the corner. Paranormal Christmas, as I call it. Oh, yeah. My uh, visits to my website usually triple during October. Yeah, so do mine. My website hits are the highest in October out of the entire year. So number eight 
is one of these places you're going to say that I made up, and I'm actually not sure it even still is in operation. Oh, so you, you were admitting that you make these up. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that it was it was there. I'm not sure if it's in, there anymore. Uh, this is the Friendly Cafe in Abingdon, Illinois. Yeah, never heard of which, that one. Which actually has another haunted place. It's an old abandoned school. It was a middle school. But anyway, this is the Friendly Cafe. Now, after the Abingdon-based Unknown Paranormal Research Society, which is now called the Prairie Land Paranormal Society, conducted an investigation at the Friendly Cafe in 2009, its owners, Michael Case and Jane Voorhees, became convinced that their restaurant was haunted. Michael had always suspected it was, but Jane was skeptical. Michael and... Uh, Michael and the wait staff described nearly daily encounters with, uh, with the paranormal to a local newspaper. He says, there was a woman standing in the kitchen as clear as day, and he told us to the register mail. I couldn't see her face. I could see she had on a long dress with little pink flowers on it. At other times, he felt unseen hands pull him away from the stove. Strange encounters have also taken place in the apartments above the cafe. A funeral parlor was formerly located next to the restaurant, and there was a door that connected the two. So they think these ghosts were coming from the former uh, funeral parlor. Yeah, they don't actually have to originate at the place. The ghost can basically do anything it wants, if you ask me. Yeah, and I'll actually get into that a little bit later when I talk about that paranormal conference I was just at. But number seven on our list is Al Capone's Hideaway and Steakhouse, which, again, I heard just closed recently. This was in St. Charles, Illinois. Now, stories of Prohibition-era gangsters are common around Chicago, but it is rare when an establishment can claim a legitimate connection. That is the case for this restaurant along the Fox River, which during the 1920s was known as Wright Mayor's Beer Garden and was fought over by the likes of Al Capone and Bugs Moran. Its isolated location made it the perfect place for a speakeasy, and relics from those bygone days are still uncovered during renovations. The ghostly activity at the hideaway primarily centers on one table on the second floor. The place setting at this table frequently appears messed with, and napkins have fallen on the floor for no apparent reason, while none of the surrounding tables were similarly disturbed. The door between the bar and the dining area also swings back and forth as though someone is walking through it. According to staff, none of this activity has felt threatening. Now, number six is one of our favorite on the list. This is the Hooters restaurant in Chicago, Illinois. Haunted Hooters? Oh, yeah. And this, <laughs> okay, this sort of surprised kind of me as well. <laughs> well, apparently Richard Crow had uh, gone there with a couple of radio stations before and done investigations so this uh this restaurant which is known for its buxom waitresses of course may seem like an unusual place for a haunting but ghosts have found a home here as well according to richard crow it started with a string of bad luck every other business to occupy this particular location at the corner of erie and north wells had failed in a short period of time Hooters even briefly painted a mural in homage to its predecessors. Perhaps the restaurant's employees were a little better at tolerating its ghosts. 
In the storage room, waitresses would often feel like they were being watched. One even heard someone call her name. There are also electrical disturbances, and the jukebox has a tendency to turn on and off on its own. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a place that I've never been before. Where's this haunted Hooters at? It's uh, on the corner of, let's see, North Wells and Erie. I think it's over by the Rainforest Cafe. I think we should really investigate that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah, really. We're going to have to... Uh, That's top on our list. Investigate Haunted Hooters. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Number five is the Tapestry Room in Lebanon, Illinois. The building currently occupied by the Tapestry Room restaurant was built around 1850, and some locals believe it may have served as a stop on the Underground Railroad because of a tunnel that leads to its basement and connects several local businesses. Shortly before Gwen and Bob Barkham opened their restaurant for business, an electrician working in the far corner of the basement was frightened by the appearance of a pair of spectral legs ascending the staircase. Hmm. During a paranormal investigation in 2003, Len Adams and his team claimed to have heard a thunderous bang or knock on the wall in response to one of their questions. A former cook who lived in an apartment at the rear of the building frequently heard the sound of furniture being tossed around the restaurant at night. The next morning, everything would be in its proper place. Oh, so he actually heard things moving around, but yet it wasn't moved the next morning? Yeah, and that that seems to be in a lot of retail locations. You hear stories about that. Huh? How, how do you know it's not your imagination, though? If it's if you hear it moving around, but yet you look and it's still there, how do you know it actually moved? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Well, no, I'm, I'm I being serious. I mean, maybe you're just hearing a weird noise that you think it's a chair moving. It could be. It very well could be. You know, I know in the in the H. H. Holmes Murder Castle, you know, the the Inglewood Post Office. They hear that all the chairs are moving, and they go downstairs, and all the chairs are moved against the wall by themselves. And they've seen this numerous times. Hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, it just depends. That that kind of thing used to be reported in Pemberton Hall at Eastern Illinois University, where they would say that uh, that yeah, it would be um, the furniture downstairs would rearrange itself. Wasn't there a restaurant, I don't even know if you know this, I'm throwing you off your list, where they, they found, like, all the chairs stacked on top of the tables? Is that something I heard from you or something? Does that ring a bell? Um, no. I mean, that's probably a ph- phenomenon that's occurred at, at several different locations. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard it. Well, maybe it was Twilight Zone for all I know. Okay, go ahead on your <laughs> list now, Mike. Okay. Well, we have, uh, I believe, number four we're at, right? Country Hills Restaurant. It is not often that a ghost story can be tied to a real event, but the ghost who haunts the Country House restaurant in Clarendon Hills has been identified by both psychics and a former owner of the restaurant who was there the day she died. The year was 1958. A young mother approached the restaurant's bartender and asked if he could watch her child while she ran an errand. Sensing something unusual about the request, he declined. The young woman left, never to return, at least not in life. Moments later, she committed suicide by driving into a tree. Fortunately, her child was unharmed. Years after the incident, two brothers brought, bought the restaurant and began to experience strange phenomenon. Guests heard their names being called, the jukebox played on its own, it's sort of a frequent occurrence, 
and employees uh, frequently heard a woman sobbing. The new owners called in a psychic who related the story of the woman's suicide, although she said it happened in 1957, uh, which the original owner later confirmed. So that's kind of cool when it can be confirmed by an outside event like that. Yeah, that's always better than just a story. If something, uh, or Even when multiple people see the same type of thing, too, that's always good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number three is another one from Richard Crow. Alonzo, Alonzi's Villa in Brookfield, Illinois. Phantom voices and footsteps plague this former bowling alley turned Italian restaurant, but it is the mysterious sound of rolling bowling balls that make it stand out. Alonzi's Villa occupies a building that was built in 1936. It has a large stone fireplace and dining room. When the Alonzi family purchased it in 1989, they immediately suspected it was haunted. The Alonzi's son heard a dog growling upstairs, and the family would often see their German shepherd playing with something unseen. Employees have heard a woman calling their names. Customers, Chicago ghost expert Richard Crow included, have also heard the sound of bowling balls thundering across the floor. The Alonzi's believe all these ghosts are friendly. So if you go there, maybe you will hear something as well. A friendly ghost. Did it used to be a bowling alley or something? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, otherwise, yeah. why do you always hear bowling balls? No, it was a former bowling alley, but they converted it into a restaurant. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So number two is Spirits Lounge in Alton, Illinois. Uh, in 2006, Gary Graham and Tim Brueggemann purchased this old Masonic temple and planned to open it as a bar, restaurant, and banquet center. The two made extensive renovations knowing the building already had a reputation for being haunted. Unusual occurrences happened almost immediately upon its grand opening in 2007. Built around 1900, the Piazza Lodge of the Freemasons occupied the building for nearly a century. According to Gary Hawkins, who placed the former lodge on his ghost tour, it is occupied by dozens of ghosts, including two master masons named James Brown and Frank Harris. James Brown. A woman... <laughs> A woman named Miss Smalley, who haunts the ladies' lounge, and two children. Four Confederate soldiers who died of smallpox are also believed to haunt one of the former temple's two basements, which were all that remained of an older building over which the Piazza Lodge was built. So a lot of layers of history for that one. Now, let's go down the list, counting down to number one. Number ten was the Triple Crown Seafood Restaurant in Chicago. Number nine was the Maple Tree Inn in Blue Island. Number eight was the Friendly Cafe in Abingdon. Number seven was Al Capone's Hideaway and Steakhouse in St. Charles. Number six was the Hooters in Chicago. We all love that one. Number five was the Tapestry Room in Lebanon. Number four was the Country House Restaurant in Clarendon Hills. Number three was Alonzi's Village Villa in Brookfield. Number two was Spirits Lounge in Alton. And can you guess the number one? No, I did that once before and I ruined your list, so I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might not even know. Probably not. There's probably some made-up place in some made-up town. Nope. It is the Adobo Grill, formerly that steak joint in Chicago. Have you heard about that one? No, actually I haven't. And I, but I have heard of Chicago before. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, um, 
this was probably the most famous haunted restaurant in Chicago. And it closed down and was turned into this Mexican restaurant. So it's currently a Mexican restaurant. Uh, this location was formerly the home of that steak joint, one of Chicago's most famous haunted restaurants. According to Dale Kazmarek, a Chicago medium held seances in an upstairs dining room in the 1980s. During one seance, a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times became violently ill. Waiters claimed to see shadows moving through the restaurant and felt touched by unseen hands. Ooh, that's creepy. Well, yeah, I, I always like that unseen hands. Yeah, that's very unsettling. <laughs> One waitress was violently dragged toward the staircase. Whatever had grabbed her left a red burning mark on her wrist. Kazmarek added flickering lights, chills, phantom footsteps, floral scents, and strange howling noises to the list of strange occurrences. Okay, now this isn't one of your better hauntings. This is a creepy one. Yeah, oh, this is, I mean, this is huge. And my question was, has anybody, you know, seen anything since it opened as a new place? Apparently, uh, so far, no one has really said anything. At least the, the current owners aren't talking about them. Well, maybe they don't want to advertise it, too. They don't want to give the place a bad name. Yeah. So that is the top 10 most haunted restaurants in Illinois. And we'll have to try to go to all of them. We'll start with, uh, which one was Hooters? The Hooters in Chicago. Yeah, well, well, that'll be the number one. We'll start there, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> I, I've actually been to the original Hooters down in Clearwater, Florida. Oh, the first one before yep. the whole chain before they started. No, I mean it everywhere. was a it was a chain by then, but oh. I mean this was this was in the late eighties. Oh, so what else you got going on, Mike? You recently were at an event, weren't you? When was it? Yesterday? Yeah, I was at the Paranormal Kicks Cancer event, which is kind of a nice event that's been held two years in a row now, and it raises money for for the American Cancer Society, and basically. It, it was fun. It was held on the grounds of the Peoria State Hospital, not in the Bowen Building. There were a lot of good guests. I spoke there, of course. Uh, Amelia Cotter spoke there because she is actually a cancer survivor. Ghost Head Soup spoke. I, I missed their presentation. Theirs was, for some reason, they had the headliner, which was Chris Fleming. They had him in the middle of the speakers instead of the end of the speakers. That's Which weird. I thought was interesting. We'll actually hear but, them. Well, actually, you've already heard them if you're listening to the show tonight because they're airing before this. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bunch of guys. And Chris Fleming, I didn't actually hear him talk at the Chicago Ghost Conference last year. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm skeptical of these Hollywood types that are on all these shows, you know, all yes, the ghost shows and so everything. I. But I will have to say his presentation was great. It had to be one of the best uh, presentations I've ever seen at a conference. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he had a whole like PowerPoint presentation. He had illustrations of of things that he'd seen as a child. And I, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about that a place didn't have to be old to have ghosts, he claimed he grew up in a house in Hoffman Estates, actually. And his he said uh, it was built... Fairly recently, I think he said it had been built in the in the 1980s, early 1980s, mm -hmm. and or maybe it was the 70s. And uh, he experienced all these strange things as a child, and 
he sort of, his mom was kind of into spiritualism and she believed in ESP and stuff like that. So she sort of encouraged him to do recordings and to, you know, use a Ouija board and everything, which was kind of interesting because after they started using the Ouija board, you know, to communicate with these ghosts, it seemed like things got really intense. Well, yeah, that opens the doors to let them in. Well, and he told a story about how he thinks that uh, that they brought a lot of ghosts in there and trapped them in there. He said he had been having nightmares a couple years ago about the house. And so he went back there. He saw that it was for sale. It had been for sale for two years. And he went back there and he did an EVP session in the basement. And he asked, you know, how many of you are down here? And uh, he got back. Some A voice said, you know, there are many of us or too many or something like that. Oh, he invited them all in and then moved. Yeah. That was nice. Of right. Him, huh? he, re- he, he said, you know, I realized, oh, man, it, you know, it's probably our fault that all these people are here now and they're trapped in this house. And so I guess some of them followed him home, and then the house... He said the house sold the day after he saw it and left. So it was just kind of interesting, but he he talked about seeing, like, angels and and imp, these imp-like creatures, Mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of... I think, you know, that... I'm a little bit more skeptical of that. You're skeptical of it all, though. You don't believe in anything. Well, there's a range of things, and <laughs> seeing some shadows in your house, that's a little bit more uh, plausible to me than seeing a cherub bouncing off your walls and telling you that it loves you. I mean, that's... You need something like physical, where something grabs you by the throat, lifts you up in the air, and starts to shake you around. That would convince yeah. you, right? When you're, when you're talking to little baby angels in your room, maybe it's time, you know, to see the doctor. I think that might be. And they got little wings and they got little bows and arrows and they're shooting arrows at you. I mean, I don't know, you know, that's just my opinion. I'll tell you what, after all the time of doing this show, Mike, I've learned I don't, I don't put anything out. You know, some things I don't believe as more as others, but I've learned that I don't count anything out. Hmm. Well, yeah, so... I was impressed, let me just say that. And I actually gave him a, a copy of uh, Cassidy O'Connor's book, The Diaries of the Dark Side, because I think that he'll enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good book. I just talked to Cassidy the other day again, too. Oh. Is she going to be on the show again? I suppose. We've been talking quite a bit lately. So, actually, not about you, though, so don't feel bad. Oh, uh, well, hopefully. Um, you know, the spirits or whatever won't sabotage the show again. Yeah, we've had some interesting talks with hers for uh, the past listeners. They might have heard a couple where we've actually had shows destroyed talking to her because of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, demonic voices or some bizarre stuff coming through the tracks. Yeah, it really, it was pretty pretty strange. Yeah, I'll just say that. At least. I just got a text here while we are talking. Apparently I'm having a uh, viewing party this week for my ghost adventures that's airing. Uh, this Friday, the twenty-first. Oh, so you're you're having the viewing party, well, but you I, don't I'm not know where have, it is. somebody's having it for me. I just got a, <laughs> I just saw a text that just came through to me. So I, I guess, uh, yeah, for those listening tonight, which is Sunday, 
next Friday, my Ghost Adventurers is airing. And for you listening in the reruns, well, uh, well, you can go to their site and actually pull up the old episodes. And you can pull up the old one with Mike in there for, oh, you in there for a couple minutes one time or something like that? Oh, yeah, that episode with, uh, with me in Ashmore States is on YouTube. Uh, I think it's pretty much the pretty much the whole episode is on YouTube, but really only the first five minutes are worth watching. Oh, okay. that's when you're on there, right? Yeah. You had a big viewing party when you did yours too, didn't you? I did, and I was surprised how many people came. I mean, there was at least 20 or 25 people packed into my living room. It, it was kind of cool. Well, I actually, I was talking to a friend, and I told him that uh, I didn't have cable, and I was going to have a uh, imaginary viewing party with myself, and I, I guess you felt bad for me, and I just got a message that I, I'm really having a viewing party. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, I'll try. I'll try to make it. Yeah, I know that some of our other, out. some of our other friends, uh, Ursula and Peter, having one as well. Yeah, there's numerous parties. People, and I know they had. What was that one? Uh, oh, what's that other big one? Uh, I forgot. There's another haunted place that actually just got on uh, Ghost Adventures. I saw they were having some big party too. I oh, wasn't it? drawing a blank here. I know they were selling tickets. They were actually What was the other party. place in Chicago that they did? They did know. Bachelors Grove and well, then they uh, also well, did... They, Excalibur, too. That's where Excalibur. Ursula was at, at, Excalibur. Yeah. But there was some other location they recently did. Something Manor. I can't remember what it was called. Hmm. Uh, there's so many of them. So you got anything else, Mike? Anything else going on? That is about it, except for the... There's a Illinois Paranormal Conference... Uh, one of many that are coming up, and this one is in Rockford at Memorial Hall next Saturday. Oh, okay. So that's going to be fun. And uh, I know Ghost Head Soup's going to be there as well, and I'm going to be speaking. And I'm not sure who the headliner is going to be, so it'll be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, speaking of Ghost Head Soup again, uh, we talked about what is it tinker cottage or whatever a few times i definitely i want to go out there now so next time you go out there those guys are going to call me too i want to go to this place now because it sounds pretty impressive oh yeah tinker cottage is is awesome i love that place okay mike well uh it's been fun and we will talk to you again next week what about the paranormal news my friend have you found any news lately all our listeners are asking for the news well well that's something that we're gonna have to uh to work together on Okay, well, I'll talk to you later again then, Mike. Okay, talk to you next week. All right, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on theedgeonair.com Friday nights from 10 to 11, also on Sundays. You can catch us right here on thresholds-radio.com. See you next Sunday, 7.30. Have you ever looked up at the stars at night and wondered, are we really alone? Could there be other life out there? And could it have influenced life here on Earth? This is George Norrie of Coast to Coast AM, and I'm excited to tell you about the Paradigm Symposium 2012. It's an event being held this October 18th through the 21st in Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you've ever wondered about the mysteries of our universe and of our ancient past, this is the event for you. And it's not just a conference. The Paradigm Symposium will feature unique presentations, a banquet dinner, and guest lectures by me, and names like Eric Von Daniken, author of Chariots of the Gods, as well as Giorgio Sukalos, Philip Coppins, and many others. Tickets are selling fast, so reserve yours today. And all you have to do is visit ParadigmSymposium.com. That's ParadigmSymposium.com. 
Reviewing Our Past, Changing Our Future, The Paradigm Symposium 2012, brought to you by Intrepid Magazine and The Graylian Report.